ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We proudly present this podcast to you in all its glory. They are the bearded wonders, the twin sons from different mothers. He is Blake. He is Sal. And together they are the Blake and Sal Show. And if you're not okay with that, I have two words for you. Stay tuned. Podcasting Sally is off this week as this is a special show and he's working or recording this. So let's bring on the man, the myth, legend, our wrestling historian, Mark Dad. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, uh, and I'm glad to see that uh, you're at Pride Rock. Yes, I am at Pride Rock. I figured if All Sal's right. not here, someone has to have a special background. So that will do this. <laughs> okay. All right. So when, when um, does when does Rafiki come out? Um, probably when the sun goes down. Got it. So, so just so everybody knows, um, because we're actually doing this at a different time of day, I'm doing a different setup. I'm actually up in the room I did D5 for the entire, most of the run. So it sounds a little different. That's why. But this is going to be our setup when we eventually go nights. So sometime next time, sometime in the middle of summer. So we do have a special guest on them. Before I say go to that, our song playing is um, Hall of Fame. Well, I am. You knew. If you know the show, this song is going to be played today because <laughs> it's a tradition. So, and, I, and we've been through the entire WrestleMania season without playing this song. So, <laughs> here you go. That's that's what we're doing here. Now, we do have a special guest on the line. Um, late last year, this guy actually said, I would love to come on your show. I can't come on during the day. So, when I said we're doing a night recording, I reached out to him and he said, I'm in. So, let's throw to him. From TMNT Minute, Scott Toffee. Scott, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I love that song. Partners in Crime, what up? Shout out to Rich Usher. Yeah, I think yeah. appreciate that. Hey, I have a question for you real quick. I see your, your virtual background for our, our call right now is Pride Rock. Would it be appropriate to ask you if you could smell what Pride Rock is cooking? 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to. Well, if you go by the end of The Lion King, it was hyenas and scar. Yes. That's what's cooking is, is flesh. It's just animal flesh. Um, yeah. Well, thank Ooh, you guys for having me on. Ninja. Go, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm super happy to be here taking a break from my uh, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Minute duties to talk about my other favorite passion, wrestling. Yes. It's, it's always nice to have um, new people on here. We don't get a lot of new people coming on, and I'm hoping when we go nice, we have more people come on, because this is actually cool. Um, before we actually ask you your history with the wrestling, let's actually start the show, Dad. You're playing Sal in this role, so have some fun with that. Um, help support the show. It's about all the platforms you can find the show and other projects we work on, including the Fat Mighty Ducks, which started this past Friday when you're hearing this first show of the new season. So go take a look into that at theblogginsouthshow.com. Mark. Hey, go. you can find buyer t-shirts, stickers, hoodies, and more from our T Public store. Click on the T Public link on our website or go to T Public and search the Blake and Sal show. And also go to belowthecollar.com and search for the show and get shirts there. Oh, and by the way, have our Blake and Sal show fanny packs come in yet? No, not all of them actually available. But as I said in the past, if you go to the <laughs> store, you can get like a sticker or a pack. They do have pins. We do have pins. And you can pin one on the fanny pack when you go to the parks. <laughs> what <laughs> better what better piece of merchandise for a wrestling fan than a fanny pack, right? <laughs> we've been we've been to enough shows to know that's a thing. Like we've been to enough it's, shows. it's a real thing. <laughs> hey, I still got mine. Once in a while I'll break it out, especially for going to like state fair or something. Yeah, that's true. That is very, very true. All right, let's let's go to commercial. We'll come back and we'll just get right into the show today. It's the way call for the Easter boy Rick Flair to come on here and say a thing or two. You all deserve this. Under the sea. Under the sea. Oh, whatever. 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 Oh, what are all your full frames? <laughs> Stop! Listen! Because... 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 I am Lance Catamaran. Alright. Um, we are now in now. And I, sometimes I forget about that. People don't hear that a lot. And you know what's funny? Because I'm doing this differently. I'm now hearing this how you're hearing it. It sounds really strained over a speaker. It really does sound weird. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Well, well, for, so I've actually been asked questions about that montage by some people. And um, somebody asked me where that We Are Average chant comes from. And that actually came from a Ring of Honor show that we attended. Yes. Here in Milwaukee. When Silas Young was trying to cut a heel promo on us. And he called this average. And instead of turning heel, he became he became more a baby face. And the whole crowd heard chanting, "We are average." <laughs> that was the night they realized Silas Young can never be heel in Milwaukee. That was the night they realized that. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, Scott, before we get into over here, tell us about your wrestling history fandom. Oh man, my wrestling history fandom. So I'm 36 years old, uh, and hey, I have been roll watching the part. Roll through the part. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have been watching WWE specifically uh, since as far back as I can remember. The first thing I ever remember seeing was it must have been like a, a 
pre-Survivor Series thing with Roddy Piper and Gorilla Monsoon eating turkey legs on TV. Uh, WrestleMania 3, I remember seeing the promos for WrestleMania 3 and remember how big that was. And then right around WrestleMania 6-7 is when my memories started getting really vivid. I was a huge Rockers fan, still a huge Shawn Michaels mark. Um Love Bret Hart. Love kind of the smaller guys. Was never as into the big super. I mean, Ultimate Warrior. Everyone had an Ultimate Warrior phase. But um, I I came up through like the new generation era was like my big uh, coming of age in pro wrestling. I didn't catch a lot of WCW. Um, I missed a lot of the Monday Night War stuff because when Shawn Michaels went out, I stopped watching for four years. Ah. Uh, So I missed like all the good NWO stuff back and forth with uh, uh wwe i did see the, when when uh shane bought the company uh in kayfabe there um got back into it started watching again through the 2000s went through a period of video recording raw every monday and digitally converting it on my computer back in the early 2000s before you could just download them or stream them um I just I've been a fan forever, you know. It's I, I wish I could say I was a more well rounded fan. I don't catch a lot of other promotions. I'm pretty much a, a through and through WWE guy and I have sort of fallen off the wagon lately, but I try to catch the big four every year and the big one is coming up. Yeah. So I've been trying to dip my toe back in the water here lately. I, I apologize for Roth because it's a terrible <laughs> it's a terrible show. <laughs> it's it's not great. It's not great, but you know what? The, the the curse and the blessing of Monday Night Raw is for the last 10 years, it's just been the same thing. It's just been the same stuff over and over again. So I always know what to expect, and I'm never surprised. True. And SmackDown has been fantastic in comparison. <laughs> comparison yeah. Been NXT's been great. I love NXT. NXT's a great show. I mean, you watch AEW? Uh, I've caught a little bit. I haven't caught as much as I want. I really okay. like. I, I want to make the effort to catch more of it. I follow it. I follow the news. Um, and what's happening on the sheets and stuff, but I haven't really gotten a chance to to sit down and watch a lot. Well, I'll give you good news that next because this is going to go up on the this is going to go Monday, Tuesday is the Hall of Fame. Next week on the thirteenth, NXT moves to Tuesday. Yes, AEW will be by itself on Wednesday, so that you can actually watch both shows now. I know it's like like wrestling every night of the week now. Every single night, and, like I, and I'm not watching Impact though. I had to tell you about watching. I was going to say, and and Impact is moving to when Thursdays. So it's going to be Raw on Tuesdays, but Raw on Mondays, Tuesday right. is NXT, Wednesday is MLW and AEW. Not including, wait, I'm not including AEW Dark, by the way, on Mondays right. and Tuesdays. No. I'm not counting that. And then Thursday is going to be Impact. Friday is um, SmackDown. Friday is also when Ring of Honor, for some reason, has their pay-per-views. I don't know why. And then Ring of Honor television shows over the weekend, um, depending on where you are. And then Saturday nights when AEW is have views and Sundays when every pay per view. So there you go. There you go. Every night I am. I think that AEW doing this co-promotion stuff with Impact is one of the best things I've seen in a long time. It reminds me of the territory system. I love that they're sending their champion to other promotions. I think that is money, and I want to see more of that. I, I agree. What was interesting is I think um, it was this past week when um, Tony Khan did his Impact advertisement, which is one of the funniest things goes on. I watched on, on Instagram every week. And he goes and says, and I never talked to commercials. This. Yeah, they, they paid for commercials that are hysterical. If you're not watching those, you don't have to watch Impact. They go on, they go on Instagram like an hour after they're on Impact. So watch them there. Um, but this past week, he ran down this whole, it was a six-man tag match on Dynamite. And he's like, it is the AAA Mega Championship and AEW Champion Kenny Omega and the former Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champion, 
the Good Brothers, against the AAA Tag Team Champion, the Lucha Bros, and the AAA Middleweight Champion, Laredo Kid. And I'm like, what? And, and you also have next week, which is going to be Omega and the Good Brothers, against the IWGP United States Champion, John Moxley, and the AEW Tag Team Champion, Young Bucks. You, it's a lot of champions. Together, it's crazy. When you put it all yeah. together, it's nuts. We need a flow chart to keep this straight. It's so weird, right? Like that's three, that's four companies working together in a matter of one match. It's awesome. Like, <laughs> it's awesome. If only WWE had the cojones to do stuff like that. So now that we know where we are and who we all are, let's actually get started while we're here. As we mentioned, it is Monday. Some people are hearing it. A rare Monday show. Where did that go? There it is. A rare Monday show. We normally don't do Monday shows because everyone had to have Raw, but this is going to go up before Raw when people hear this. And because it's WrestleMania week. And WrestleMania week is now 10 fucking days. And this is ridiculous. <laughs> but that's not the point. We revented about that on Friday's show with Tom and Kelly. So we're not going to get into that again today. But um, let's actually get into the reason we're here. WWE Hall of Fame, and we, me and me and Mark traditionally do do a special show to talk about the Hall of Fame. In the past, we've had past guests like Bruce Mitchell from PW Torch. We've had other people like that to come on, now former from PW, I should say. We had to come on here and talk about the Hall of Fame. For this season, this year, we figured let's bring somebody new in. We have Scott here to do the Hall of Fame talk with us, and this is a very special Hall of Fame because we have because of the pandemic last year. We didn't do a Hall of Fame until last year, obviously, because of the pandemic. So this year, we have two classes going in. Which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> I'd like to thank all the little people that helped me make it in my career. And uh, <laughs> do I have three hours to do a speech? I think Hibble and Jen is still giving his speech somewhere. Okay. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> this is that. Like, okay. Uh, just so you know, Scott, do you watch the whole thing? I tried to, yeah. I haven't caught it live the last few times. I've had to watch it after the fact. But I do enjoy the Hall of Fame. That is probably... Aside from the main events of WrestleMania, is my favorite part of of the okay. pro wrestling year. Perfect, perfect, and you're the perfect person for this <laughs> because I I I'll be honest with you, I've watched the last, I watch every year, I try to watch every year, and then the network's helped because I've had it on since the network launched. What's the only year I still have not finished, and I'm I'm being dead serious. There's one Hall of Fame I've never finished, and I have the DVD, and I have it on the network, and that is the year Ric Flair went in the first time. Uh, I have never made it through that speech. I have never made it through it. From what I've heard, it went 45 minutes, and I have never made it through that speech. <laughs> the broadcast edit was was the one to go with. That's what you got to find. Yeah, I know, but like I have the DVD, and I've watched the entire Hall of Fame, and I've never didn't, made it through that speech. Didn't he set the record for the longest speech in, for as far as I know? I think for- so, because that was the speech. That was after that speech was the year they said, no, you're not allowed to go long anymore. You're not allowed to go long, because... <laughs> Rest 
Jesus have to go to work the next day. We have to get everyone out of here by midnight. We have to get everybody because that was the same year that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat got in the Hall of Fame, and his no, that was the year after. Steamboat was the year after. after. Yeah, and then after. Flair came out, and then they made comment that well, at least Ricky's speech was a lot, hell of a lot shorter than Rick's. Yes. Well, I guess you know, I guess the, the joke running joke still to this day is Tibble and Jim speech still going on, but somebody did not tell him to shut up. That was one of the <laughs> weirdest things I've ever seen. Why he went 40 minutes with the speech, I will never know. I will never know to this day. Well, here's the thing. I picture it this way. You're behind the scenes. So you're going to tell some young, wet behind the ears, you know, roadie that's going to go up there and say, hey, you want to tell Rick he's got like five minutes and that's Triple it? Triple did come out. Triple H came out during one of the speeches one time to tell him to stop. And he kept going. <laughs> that was Flair's. That, that was, was Rick Flair's speech, wasn't it? It happened. Yep. I forgot what I forgot who I forgot what speech it was. Was it? I think it was Flair's. It was Flair's. He though was Mr. T the one that they kept having to interrupt him because he kept rambling about his mama. Yeah, <laughs> oh, probably, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the whole joke was, you know, how many times when he says to mama, take a shot, take a shot, take a yeah. shot. Listen, you got a bunch of people who have been professional talkers their whole life and haven't had the chance to do it for a while, and you put them in front of a microphone and you expect them to be concise. I don't think so. Well, two years ago, I had to say two years ago, not last year. Two years ago, I actually liked the setup of the Hall of Fame where they had hosts and then they threw the video packages. They didn't have inductors doing like 25 minute speeches before the speeches. Like, I enjoyed that. And apparently, that's what we're doing this year because we're in the Thunderdome for the Hall yeah. of Fame. It's It's got to be quick this year. There's no way they're going to be able to make give everyone 20 minutes. Well, it's it's got to be like the Grammys. As we're doing this, it's a better room recording. The show has been Yeah, filmed. that's true. Show has been filmed already as we're recording this. And uh, so they have time to edit, which is nice. And there are already pictures out and there are already things going on. So that's good. You know, and I have actually, I was listening to Sean Waltman's podcast right before we came on the air. His new podcast that started this week. And <laughs> listening to that right before we came on. And he was actually talking about his experience there. And he said it was actually really well structured and really well done. So and apparently they filmed. The 2020 speeches on one night and the 2021 speeches on a second night. I mean, that makes sense. Give, they give everyone together to make one special. So. Yeah, I, I think that's a, probably – well, first off, for safety reasons, it's probably a good idea to not have all those people in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Um, but also just to give everyone kind of their own sense of spotlight, you know? Right. No one's, no one's going to get forgotten on either night. Exactly. So was it just staff that was present? They didn't explain that part. They just said it was well structured. It was put together well, and everyone okay. you don't see on camera was wearing masks, so that's good. And I mean, like, and obviously there's no audience, so there's not going to be a run in like when um when um Brad Hart got jumped. <laughs> Which okay, we talked oh, about it on the podcast. Life. I did not see that live because we were watching the Ring of Honor show. We were it was the- very confusing. Yeah, it was we a watching- very confusing moment. Yeah, we were watching we- the Japan Ring of Honor show live that night. Well, that I was mean, the, it was NXT and the New Japan Ring of Honor was the next day. And we're New Japan guys and Ring of Honor guys. So we're going to watch them at the Garden. Like, that's going to be a show. I'm going to watch the Hall of Fame the next day. But then I'm, we're watching, I forgot match we're watching. We're watching the tag team championship match on Ring of Honor New Japan show. They're like doing a multiple like tag team championship match. Both, both are on the line. Crazy match. I was getting alerts on my phone on Twitter saying that somebody didn't jump Bret Hart. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell's going on? Oh my god, it was so bizarre. Yeah, that was nuts. The funny part was watching it back on the edit, and it jumps from there in the middle of the speech, and then all of a sudden we jump cut to the second half of the 
after the speech. And Wasn't like he the trying to kick him off too, if I remember right. What was that? Dad? Oops, did we lose him? Ah, welcome to the wonderful world of Dad's connection downstairs. Yeah. We're in the same house. Come off the stage when he's kind of like back kicking. Yes. Know? Yes, that did happen. I think my favorite part of the edit was that we had we cut the we cut the speech, we're having a great speech, having a great speech. And then the next shot is Natalia pissed off and Bret Hart all disheveled with no explanation. With zero explanation whatsoever. So oh my god. All right. I, I, let's get to the Hall of Fame this year. So, the announcements for this Hall of Fame have been strange. This has been a really strangely put together Hall of Fame. We're going to start with the 2020 class. And I don't understand how we're announcing him for the 2020 class in 2021, but that happened. As they announced the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame in 2020, it's going to be William Shatner. I don't what know a, why. <laughs> what a wonderful moment this is for the captain of the Starship Enterprise. I love Shatner. I don't understand. Like, I remember he did a couple of things here and there, but I have mixed feelings on the celebrity wing of the Hall of Fame in general. There are some celebrities who have been big fans for years, who show up, who get involved, who have nice things to say. Great. Then there are people that are clearly, they're just using them for a ratings boost. And we're getting to the point here in 2021 where, listen, I love Bill Shatner. I love Star Trek. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. This is not going to attract anyone that cares about wrestling. No one's going to care about this. He's beyond your target demographic. The only thing I remember Shatner doing, I know he was a guest host on Raw, which is one of the most hilarious videos of him doing theme songs. Him doing Shatnerized theme songs, one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Right. And also he inducted Jerry and Waller into the Hall of Fame. Right, so he did stuff with Lawler back in the like '90s, like the early '90s when Lawler was doing the Bret Hart stuff. We there's some connection. Well, right. Well, I liked it. It was kind of funny where Shatner was trying to do Rey Mysterio's theme, Boyica, Boyica, six one nine, Boyica, I thought he, I didn't think he was following the prompter. I mean, oh, if you look at it, it was like he was having a problem <laughs> trying to keep up with it. But so, Dad, when I it is what it is. in WWE, what are your thoughts? <laughs> this is what I'm hoping for for the class of 2022, okay? Um, one celebrity one celebrity that I'd like to see in. Who? Stefan Amell. Stefan Amell, okay. I'm going to go Cindy Lauper. Yet. How is Cindy Lauper not in I brought up on Dada and Weekly today that Cindy Lauper is not in the Hall of Fame yet. I did not realize that I looked it up like, and it was great. Cindy Lauper is part of the reason that WWE and pro wrestling got nationally famous to begin with. She should have been right. the first. <laughs> right. That whole rock and yeah. wrestling connection. Like, that's all her, man. Uh-huh. That, her right. and Mr. T should, as far as I'm concerned, they both should have gone in the same time. Right. Or if you want a separate celebrity, I understand it. Or do back-to-back years or something. Like, right. you should have had her in. Like, I don't know the reason why Cindy Lauper's on the Hall of Fame. I wonder if she's if she turned it down, maybe. Maybe. But she did she did do an appearance on one of the Raw guest hosts, and she was great. Like, it, it yeah. Was a great job. I, I yeah. wouldn't – I don't know. I'm curious about that. I would think that she's she's pretty uh, wholesome person, and I could definitely – I have no nothing to back this up. This is just me hypothesizing, I should say. I wouldn't be surprised if she had – 
issues with some of the content and maybe just didn't really want to continue to be associated makes sense. at the moment. But again, that's just me spitballing. I have nothing to back that up with. That makes sense, though. Um, let's get to the wrestlers in the 2020 class. And this thrust, this one, this first one would have made more sense last year. But because of the pandemic, it all got screwed up. And they, and I gave them credit. Susha Thunderliger, he retired at the Tokyo Dome last January in one of the best, like, farewells I've ever seen. So I watched Social Kingdom last year, and it was a fantastic farewell. And then he's like, we're going to induct him into our Hall of Fame. He doesn't have much connection here, but the rest of the Hall of Fame, Liger should be in the Hall of Fame here. He doesn't have much of a connection to WWE, but he has WCW history, and he um, did a match at NXT. Like, it's a good idea, but then pandemic happens, and we have to wait a year. I don't know <laughs> that I. I don't know that I remember him doing an NXT match. I definitely yeah. remember him from like the the early '90s years of WCW, like being really big. I remember the mask, like in the in the bodysuit. That's really what I. And those outside dives, like him diving out of the ring, is the burned into my memory. Um, Liger faced Tyler Breeze at the first NXT Takeover Brooklyn. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I must have seen that match. I yeah, definitely must very, have seen it. It was the opening match of NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, the first one. That's awesome. The night that, that was that the problem people probably forget that happened because that was the same night as Bailey and Sasha. The emotional right. night that Bailey won the title. That right, was the right, same right. night. Same night. But I yeah, mean, Dad Liger, go. <sighs> what can I say? The guy's a living legend. Uh he's his farewell year of matches. I he wanted to wrestle against uh, friends he hasn't wrestled for a while, some opponents. Everyone basically was very uh, open to his requests, uh, and he did some phenomenal work for his uh, last farewell year. And for everything he's done in this sport, it's, it is a high honor for him to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, and... There's only going to be one Jushin Thunder later, but you see a lot of cruiserweights trying to mimic his moves. So to me, that's not another honor that they're trying to kind of keep his legacy alive by doing some of his moves. And even, you know, some of the masks are very similar to his. So, you know, it, it, it's a well-deserved honor for him. 100% right. Scott, you were going to say something. Go ahead. Um, I just he's he's someone that absolutely deserves to be in there. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't get to catch a lot of his stuff, but when you have a wrestler who's just you know who it is just by name alone, like that's what you want in pro wrestling. You want that marquee name, and he's absolutely a marquee name. True, hundred percent right. Um, now let's move on to the British Bulldog, which it's this is well, this is a long time coming. This is a really cool moment. And apparently it gets emotional from what I've been hearing. It gets really, really emotional, the speech. Um, I'm trying to remember where I, I was listening to wrestling. I, I'll tell you who I was. I'm dad, you talk about Bulldog and I'll come back. Um, Bulldog, basically with the start with uh, the uh, in uh, Stu Hart's uh, territory. Um and basically got noticed there and put together with a dynamite kid and got the attention of Vince senior and came to wonderful New York and started his career and uh, flourished very well. And not only tag team 
specialist also in his whole career. And uh, I think the match that everyone remembers is the one he wrestled Brett. Uh, and there were family lines that were drawn in. You got the drama and you got the, okay, Bulldog's going to win, uh, you know, back and forth. And it was a great done match. And the way the storyline culminated was just fantastic. So, uh, I mean, it, yeah, this guy deserves it. Uh, and uh, I know his son is trying very hard to kind of follow in dad's footsteps, but in the same breath, he also wants to make his own way. And I understand that. And you know, my hat's off to British Bulldog and his family. Um, Georgia Smith was on the Wrestling Game Daily this past week. And she talked about the induction. And they literally, Scott Fishman got her and right after she did the induction speech, pretty much. It was almost immediately after. She said it was really emotional and really, really good for her to do and very therapeutic. So I can't wait to see the speech. Scott, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Bulldog is, I mean, he's like on the Mount Rushmore of early 90s greats in my mind. Um, I remember very vividly his WrestleMania 7 match against Warlord, which a lot of people probably write that off as like not a big deal. But for me, WrestleMania 7 was a huge moment in my life. And just watching him break that full Nelson um I remember him coming back in like 94 and he had the braids out of his hair and he was like just out of nowhere the British Bulldog it seemed like he had been gone forever um he'd only been gone for like two years but he makes this huge comeback has another hugely successful run in the 90s teaming with Lex Luger um turns heel new heart foundation stuff he just had such a really impressive career from way back in the day with uh Dynamite Kid all the way up until his unfortunate passing. Like he's one of those guys who it break him and Mr. Perfect. It breaks my heart that those guys never got to finish their careers on their terms. Um, it also kind of bugged me. I don't know if you've read Bret Hart's book, but he talks about that SummerSlam 92 match. And I, from what I remember of it, he basically says that Bulldog was hung over the whole time. And he kind of like shit talks him a little bit, which kind of always rubbed me the wrong way. No way. Yeah. Shit talked in his look. I don't believe it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> well, he is God's gift to wrestling. Um, but I've I've always loved the Bulldog. I loved um I just think he was great. He was he was super underrated as a personality because he was great as a face and he was great as a heel, but he wasn't over the top. He was always able to do it in a very realistic way and just a a dynamo. The, the speed he had in the ring, the agility he had in the ring. Like uh, some of the matches he had, um, just like regular weekly matches he'd have against like Owen Hart or guys like that on on Raw were like unbelievable. Yeah, well, I, I'm looking forward to this. I do it. I actually like the um, speeches when we have. Unfortunately, when we have people who aren't there, the speeches end up being extremely emotional, and I'm actually looking forward to seeing how this goes. Yeah, I'm really, especially considering that Harry was kind of dumped from the company, uh, uh, you know, and and has kind of been working his way back up. I I'm curious to see um, how the family it, it takes the induction and, and, and the tone that they set. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, next up we have the women of this class and I, I laugh, I laugh, but it is Nikki and Brie Bella, the Bella twins. Okay. I laugh, but number one, I have two little stories I'm going to tell about because I have a couple stories here. One is me and dad's first con that we went to as press members. It was Ace Comic Con in Chicago. 
And the reason we got the press pass is because they were having two wrestling panels on the first night. So we went as press members and sat in the front row. And um, the first panel was Alexa Bliss and Seth Rollins. And that was awesome. And I got to ask questions. That was really cool. The second panel was the Bellas. And I learned something this night. I never want to be around Bella fans ever again in my life. <laughs> because it's not the Bella Twins I have a problem with. I actually had to respect the Bella Twins as people. You know what I mean? I don't go by their reality TV personalities. As people, I kind of respect them for taking the wrestling business and exploding it. Plus, I have people at work that watch Total Bellas and are wrestling fans, but watch their show and know who they are. So they're kind of cross-promoted people. But the fans... They're Bella, the Bella Army fans are the most annoying people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the most annoying people ever. Dad's agreeing with me. He understands what we dealt with that night. It was an hour panel. I mean, oh my God. The, the Bella Army starts like with little girls at the age of like seven or eight and goes all the way up to women like the age of 35. It's higher than that. Now, the point is, this is a 730 panel. In the middle of Chicago, in the middle of Chicago, two, we, we drove two and a half hours to go to this. So, <laughs> I mean, but to, to, to see to see like a thirty or forty year old woman that's trying to dress place. very provocatively, like the Bellas. Oh, wow, like the little girls. I mean, they're dressed like their heroes. It was the strangest experience I ever had. <laughs> it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. But we do have the Bella Twins. They are going to the Hall of Fame. I, it, I'm, I'm happy for them. I'm not gonna lie, I'm happy for them to do this. Scott, Bella Twins, any thoughts? <laughs> so I I love the idea of the twin magic aspect. I always loved it when teams, if head shrinkers would do it, like it's just this tried and true pro wrestling thing of like you have the twin, you can switch. And, and they're identical twins. We don't get a lot of like a truly identical twins. Until Mickey got her surgery. Right. <laughs> um, but I I thought it was cool that you know they they entered the diva search they kind of got turned down and then were offered developmental contracts and they they worked their way in um in a time when wwe was clearly just looking for valets they weren't really looking for wrestlers and the bella twins you know kind of got into the valet system and then whoop, switched over into the pro wrestling lane and i think they did a great job with it like were they always the greatest workers no but they were constantly working at it and constantly era, getting better in that era and kind of remember whatever we're talking about we're talking about the divas era and they were the stars yeah. of the divas era they were they are definitely i consider you know trish and lita are gen one of the sort of women's revolution and the bellas are like gen two and aj lee and like and like caitlin and stuff like that are in that era and now we're in yeah. the prime crazy what we're in <laughs> and and they listen as far as self-promotion they got themselves Brilliant. way over and Brilliant. i think they absolutely <laughs> deserve to be in the hall of fame i would have liked to see a few more really substantial runs uh, in their career, but you have championship runs in there. You had a couple good, um, you know, mixed tag runs there where they where they brought in the the real life relationships and things like that with Daniel right. Bryan. Like it, they had a really solid career, and they absolutely deserve to be in there. So I congratulate the Bella Twins. And I remember Nikki Bella did get proposed to a John Cena at WrestleMania. That happened. <laughs> true. That's true. And, and Brie Bella fought Stephanie McMahon at a SummerSlam. Like these things happen. Like there's some crazy stuff that happened during the Bella's runs. Like um, that. Yeah, they had some good moments. Yeah, Dad, any thoughts on the Bellas? I, if you have to use a term, I would probably say pioneers of the women's movement and and how they kind of paved their own way 
for other uh, female wrestlers to follow. Uh, and once they got into that spotlight, they kind of, and it, it worked. And then I think the culmination to one of them was the sister versus sister yeah. Yeah. fight. Yeah. Kind of like yeah. it echoes the hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it came to a culmination where, you know, finally the whole family got to bond and all the divisions came all together to reunite his family. And, you know, you saw Daniel Bryan and, and, and Bertie out there. And, you know, I, it was to do what they've done and take it a step further outside the world of pro wrestling. That says a lot, you know, and they basically have made a successful business for both of themselves outside the wrestling world. So, you know, you look at them for, for what it is and they've, they've done everything right. And hopefully, you know, that the, the women's generation, you know, coming up will kind of follow in that same sort of path. I'm a big fan of, of any pro wrestler giving themselves options after retirement, retiring healthy and then giving themselves uh, something to be successful after pro wrestling because it's it, it it kills people. It's it's a tough business, and the fact that they were able to come up at the time they did when it's still such a boys' club, I can't imagine the crap they had to go through backstage day to day. Just like they're they're tough. They're tough tough wrestlers. Um, I'm I'm actually giving a little plug. The Bellas have a have a book that came out um last year. I want to say last year, and I was doing an audio site audio site, and it's a really good read. It's a yeah. really interesting read. They actually trained wrestling before they came to WWE. I didn't know that. I didn't know they actually trained on indie scene. They did all the indie scene before they came to WWE. I didn't know yeah. who. But I'm cool they did all that. So that was interesting stuff. Good stories. And I give them credit for that. And remember, Mickey Bella was on Dancing with the Stars? Like, there are so many weird things they did. They, there are so much promotional things that they did that people don't remember. And Mickey Bella made invented against Ronda Rousey in Evolution. Like, remember that happened too. Yeah. Like, so, like, I would move on to John Bradshaw Layfield. <laughs> or as I like to call him, Justin Hawk Bradshaw. Yes, I was about to say. We, that's the funny part is when we say JBL, you think of JBL now. But JBL goes back a long, long back, way back. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have to give JBL some credit because in the Eddie Guerrero era, when he became the ultimate heel on SmackDown, he should not have worked. He should not have worked, but he ended up being one of the most hated wrestlers in wrestling for like three years. Like I could not believe he did it. It was amazing what he pulled off, and he's known on the outside. He really is the financial wizard that he claims to be. He wrote books for it. He was on Fox yeah. News. He yeah. did the whole thing, but he's been doing this for twenty freaking years. Like crazy yeah. career he's had. Scott, you mentioned you mentioned it. Go for it. Go. I, listen, I, I will fondly remember him as that weird Justin Hawk Bradshaw character that first came in. It had to have been around WrestleMania 12, 13, somewhere around there. Like it was like solid mid 90s. Um, I never particularly cared for him as a performer. I think his best stuff has come as a talker, uh, specifically a commentator. I think that is where his. Um, talent has been most 
the, the meat and potatoes of what he's done in his career. The stuff that'll last the longest, I think, is the stuff that he did in the mic. I, for the life of me, and it might be because I missed four years in the middle there, I can't really remember vividly a lot of his matches or a lot of his feuds, but I remember things he's said. So I'll give him the nod just for being a great talker. Yeah, actually, I would a quick story. I was at No Mercy 2004 in New Jersey, and it was um the main event was JBL versus The Undertaker in a last ride match. That was the main event, and that was also the same pay per view where it was like Billy Kidman versus Paul London and John Cena versus Booker T. It was a hell of a card. It was a real hell of a card. But um, the main event was that, and I remember the JBL's music hit. He was a champion. And that crowd hated him so much. Like, oh my God, I never have heard that heat in years. It was an amazing boo and yeah. hatred for him. And then he's already hated. He's already despised. He wins the match by cheating with, with help from the hide and right of all people. He's already gotten cheated oh, cheated to win. They're not on the air anymore. We cut to the I didn't know this wasn't on the air. I found out later. This is not on the air. This is just for the Jersey crowd. He starts talking about the governor of New Jersey who's in a scandal for like picture, like appropriate pictures. And they're talking about that to the crowd. I'm like, what are we doing? It's just bizarre. Yeah, he's <laughs> hey. he's a great pure heel. He gets all the right kinds of heat. Okay, Dad, go ahead. JBL Bradshaw, APA Bradshaw. We've got to bring that up. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right. I was gonna I was gonna say I think a lot of people remember him as APA Protection Agency with him and Ron. And that was a duo that. Basically, people couldn't figure out first. They're putting these two guys together, and the chemistry worked, and oh, they yeah. worked. And, and I mean, I, the the best vignettes were yet all the wrestlers come, knock on that door, <laughs> open, and they go, "What do you want? I need protection from this one guy. What do you got? Open the case, <laughs> okay? No problem. We got it. You know, or or the poker games, yeah. uh, you know, and and cans of beer and, and smoking the cigars. Uh, and then them just coming down and kind of cleaning house, and uh, you know, the catchphrase from Ron Simmons, damn, damn. you know, I think the chemistry worked, <laughs> and, and I think people love that character. And then when he became JBL, oh. you know, kind of like, what the hell, and it he pulled it off, and he actually stretched them with the horns. The Stetson hat, you know, he, he the promo she cut that basically generated all that, that anger and everything from the fans. The Eddie I, feud. It, it the Eddie feud. The Eddie feud was one of the most bizarre feuds ever because that should not have worked. Eddie was champion. And we're doing um we're doing a whole bit at the border of Mexico kicking out immigrants. Like what are we what? this is so bizarre? Like, Things you can't do today. Well, wasn't there a match between him and uh, Alberto Del Rio who Probably. was going that he's an American Mexican and he wanted to stand up against Bradshaw because Bradshaw wasn't talking it was so bizarre yeah, one of those Eddie like, yeah, you, in, Eddie's, yeah, you know, in Eddie's book he actually thanked JBL for that feud because it made it made Eddie more popular because of the really has with the big heel. And so Eddie oh, yeah. him in his book. So like, yeah. and, and and the thing with JBL is outside of wrestling, he and his wife take these trips to Kilimanjaro oh, yeah. and he takes pictures of it. 
Actually, I can be one better. I can be one better about that. I can be one better. He actually hosted a radio show okay. with Michael Cole. This is the truth there. He hosted a radio show with Michael Cole for like two years. And they were actually, the reason the show ended is because JBL did the seven mountain the climb. This went off to do a training session to climb the seven mountains. <laughs> That's what he did for two years. He went off to do that. <laughs> so, yeah, he did some really crazy things. All right. I- I was gonna say, just setting himself up after retirement again. Like smart, it's that. Smart. They, they're smart people. Yep. <laughs> if you can, if you can get out and, and be healthy, and by God means, go for it. All right, so let's move on to the um, main eventers for Hall of Fame 2020 because Batista's not here because he's gonna come back in 2022 more than likely because uh, he's stuck in Australia filming Thor: Love and Thunder, so he can't make it here. Um, <laughs> that's a true story, by the way. He is legitimately in Australia filming Love, yeah. Thor: Love and Thunder, so he made. It. Main eventers are the new World Order. It's Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, and Sean Waltman. All of them now two-time Hall of Famer, which is hysterical to me. <laughs> um, Hulk Hogan now the racist. Kevin Nash, who, by the way, gave us one of the fun... We were actually in a Wizard World panel on Kevin Nash like two years ago, and it was a fantastic panel. He did not give a fuck at all. He did not give a fuck at all. So, he was calling AWL for filming video packages in DDP studio during their first six months on the air while we're at a panel for no reason. It didn't even come because he didn't brought it up. And then Scott Hall and Sean Waltman. So this is, this is this is cool. I like the fact that the group's going in. I don't like that it's all two-time Hall of Famers. I'm going to be fan of that. But the NWL are a powerhouse on their own. Scott, go ahead. So my... Listen, I I have issues with Hulk Hogan and all the crap that went down with him, obviously, because that, like, I don't know that you should reward that kind of bad behavior. And I understand the company's – right. I, I don't think you should – listen, it wouldn't have been my first decision. To I, I'm, agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. Does fun. the New World Order belong in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Right. Uh, but I have two questions. Number one, I don't – I love Sean Waltman. Always have was a huge one two three kid fan back in the day. I would much rather see him go in solo as one two three kid than as part. I know he was like the first big like surprise member of the NWLO after Hogan, but I feel like he's sitting in Eric Bischoff's spot. Which we'll get to him in a minute. We'll get to him in a minute. We'll get to Bischoff in a minute because he's in the class 2021. But we'll get to Bischoff in a minute. Right, Uh, but. It's to me like that. It, it's just weird that they separate that. Like I don't, I don't know that I believe that Waltman should be in for the NW. I mean, honestly, I don't know that he should be in for DX. I think he should just I, be in for I, Sean I, Waltman. I being in for DX. I do agree with him being DX being a big part of DX. I, the second form of DX is a huge part. Yeah, true. And like, and he had also be there represent China. He represented China. But true. That's also true. It's a good point. And listen, as far as Nash and Hall again, like put those guys in six, seven times in the hall of fame. Like they earned it coming in as the outsiders doing what they did being part of the NW, like as razor as diesel. They're just those guys, their impact in nineties pro wrestling cannot be understated. Um, And damn it all. If we can't give Scott Hall every award possible for the crap that he's gone through and coming out still alive. Right? Like, yeah. is there an award for, like, yeah. just congrats, you're not dead yet? <laughs> Give that to yeah. him and Dick to St. Roberts over in AW. Right. <laughs> um, actually, I, NWO, I never got to really truly experience NWO. Oh, okay, that's a lie. I have two different NWO things. One was that house show. 
I went to a house show and it was Hogan when he had just turned away from the NWO, tagging with Booker T of all people against in a, in a three on two match against Nash Hall and Waltman. That was the main event of a house show. So that wow. was that's crazy. That was also the it was the last house show before the first brand extension. And it was the last house show with the Continental Island Arena. And it was um the other big match on it was the Hardys versus the Dudleys in their final match against each other at the time. And then the APA came out at the end to like do the total toast in the ring. Because because now, now curtain calls are cool. Yeah, well that was also <laughs> the same night I saw Brock Lesnar before it was on TV. Yeah. Same night. Same night. But anyway, I didn't see that. But also, I went to so I went to Raw at the Garden. At the Garden. Raw at the um Hunter again in July. And it was that was the week after Kevin Nash blew out his quad. Which time? The last time. <laughs> the last time. <laughs> when he was walking in the ring and blew out his quad. That match, that night. And nice. um that was the show where they opened up they opened up Raw with the NWO music and then Vince McMahon came out to the NWO music and he announced that the NWO was, was dissolved and we're going to have him a GM and on the night Eric Bischoff became GM. That was that night. <laughs> that was in the building for Raw. My first ever Raw, Eric Bischoff became GM. Awesome. Ever. Awesome. We'll get to that though when we get to Bischoff. That and NWO, go. <laughs> well, it all depends who you want to believe. Uh, Hulk Hogan says that he was the brainchild behind NWO. Bischoff says he's the brainchild Bischoff behind NWO. The brainchild. No, no, sorry. John, all Japan is the brainchild for the NWO. <laughs> so, you know, depending on who you want to listen to, who came up with the idea first, whoever did, you know, came up with a, a great product and to basically have Hulk Hogan, who basically for most of his career is a babyface, turned this obnoxious Hollywood heel was just pure genius and gold. But, I mean, <laughs> when you get to the point where you NW black and white, NWO red, NW, you know, all faction of the NWO, oh, wow. <laughs> it got ridiculous. Uh, so if you want to be put the cornerstone of the end and, you know, whether you like him or don't like him, you got to give credit. Credit is due for the, the concept and everyone else. And, of course, the wonderful spray paint NWO on people's backs. And, and one of, of the most popular t-shirts on the title. The NWO shirt, and they've always admitted it, is the most popular shirt in X-Office. I was watching the Eagles live at the Forum DVD, right? Concert DVD. Okay. And at the beginning of the DVD is like a two-minute segment where they're showing roadies setting stuff up. And there is a very prominent shot of some roadie walking by. And this was filmed in 2017 with a big old NWO t-shirt on. <laughs> working for Don freaking Henley, That's you know? Amazing. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> my, my whole thing is that they couldn't keep the shirts on the shelf long enough. It's like oh. they're <laughs> flying off the shelves. Yeah. No, I bootlegged one. I remember I was on the wrestling team for one year in middle school. Bad idea. Shouldn't have done it. But we spray painted bootleg NWO shirts for ourselves and we put our school's initials on them. Like everyone had it. Even this was in the era when, like, even if you didn't know what it was, you had the t shirt. Even if you didn't know what Austin 316 was, you had the shirt. And they were two most basic shirts at the time. Two most basic t shirts that everybody knew what they were. Yep. All right. Let's move on. 
to this year's Hall of Fame class. And we still have a group of people here. Now, the first person we have on here has not officially been announced as we're doing the recording of this, but I, because of the period Hall of Fame that we recorded, I heard this happen. <laughs> um, Titus O'Neill was given the Warrior Award, which I got to admit, this actually makes sense. This is the first time in a long time where the Warrior winner actually makes sense to me because of all the charity work he does and all the behind the scenes work he does. I believe if I heard right, he is second to only John Cena for Make a Wishes in WWE. I believe it. It's yeah. pretty impressive when you think about that, when you're only second than John Cena, who has the all-time record, period, and they can wish. So, Titus O'Neil getting the Warrior Award. This is pretty cool. Scott? Yeah, I'm all for it. Listen, Titus O'Neil was one of those guys who should have been a main eventer uh, for a long time. And for whatever reason, you know, there's a lot of theories floating around. He just never quite got his huge, like, star-making break until he fell under the ring at the Royal Rumble. Um, but <laughs> well, the all the Royal Rumble, not the Royal Rumble. Right. The, sorry. <laughs> the the asterisk Royal Rumble. Yes. Um, but all the work that he's done behind the scenes, like, he's he's always popped up. And I've seen him in a suit doing charity work and, and benefit work more than I've seen him in tights in the ring. In the last, like, 10 um, years. Yeah, and listen, if if that's where his career path is, go for it. Let's honor him for it. I think it's great. I think it's a really great idea. He clearly it's where his heart is, and he's he's working hard doing that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Titus is a great spokesperson for uh, WWE. Uh, Goodwill ambassador, call him what you will. Uh, he touts a lot of things. Uh, I believe he was also part of the uh, Be a Star campaign. Yes, against bullying. He still is. Um, you know. Touts education, uh, finish high school, go on to college, mm-hmm. make something of yourself, uh, you know, because no one's going to give it to you. You have to earn it. Uh, and he's just the right person to basically represent WWE in, in all the charitable events and their agencies that they have. And it, he, I've seen him do more work for the organization with charitable causes, the name of the superstar, this guy is all at the forefront of everything. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Okay, I just thought about this. I think, if I remember right, Titus, which, until the last two years, obviously, we're not having access to WrestleMania in the last two years. He was hosting that reading, that reading, reading contest at WrestleMania Access for like five years before, obviously, the pandemic took access away for two years. But like, that's cool stuff that he did. Like, really awesome stuff. It's, it's, it's that stuff that makes WWE being PG, like worth it. Like if, if this company was still trying to do attitude era stuff, like all that good work, listen, they're controversial enough as it is now even with the, the working with the Saudis and all that stuff yeah. like it, if they were a PG-13 company or if, or if they were you know working for more of the older audience all this stuff would never work so I'm anyone that complains about them oh they're not they're just TV PG it's not the same as it used to be yeah I know get over it it times change <laughs> and you know what and and as I've been, been talking about a lot with Peacock and everything guess what we're in 2021 yeah. 2021. You got to remember what you were in. We're in 2021. <laughs> yeah. Different now. The world is different now. If, if you don't have that stuff on videotape and you really want to watch it, if you don't have it on videotape by now, then you you had plenty of opportunities. Or on DVD. Or on DVD. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't cry because someone decided that it's, you know, this was a bad idea. Maybe we shouldn't have this. Yeah, I, I know that as of today, I heard that the um, DX Blackface stuff is all completely gone. As well, it should be. <laughs> like it never happened. Like it never happened. Which is, I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did. I'm, not, <laughs> I'm surprised they did not squash that right after Black Lives Matter turned in. I'm really surprised. So, all right, let's move on. This one was interesting. This next person was really interesting because Sabu went and said that he was going into the Hall of Fame before they ever to be announced it, and then goes and trashes the Hall of Fame, and then Sabu says, "But if they ask me to be in it, I'll be in it." <laughs> what a funny thing I've ever heard. Who we're talking about, of course, is the one and only Rob Van Dam. I have to admit, this is a cool move. This is really cool. I think Rob Van Dam deserves this move. He was the longest rated ECW television champion, and he was the only man to be WWE and ECW champion at the same time. He, for Money in the Bank winner, and one of the most over men during the invasion. Like, not even close. One of those over men of the invasion. And deserves this a lot scott yeah he's sort of like he's like the original indie darling like he's the cool wrestler that all the like the the smart marks were into before he sort of popped up on wwe tv like some people were like amazed when jericho came over and like that was a big pop but when van Dam showed up like the really deep wrestling fans knew what was happening right most i had no idea who he was but like I think it's a good call. And he's also someone who just doesn't care. He doesn't give a flip, you know? At like, he's, he's, he's shit-talked wrestlers. He's shit-talked WWE. He's always gone his own way. And to me, this is a clear indication of, like, if it's good for business, WWE will do it. This is, like, to me, the Triple H call. Like, Triple H clearly sees a guy who's like, he deserves it. We might have had our differences. We might not always agree. But he deserves this honor. And I think that it's absolutely the right move, and I'm happy to see him go in. And will he be blazed in doing in doing his induction? Absolutely. Yeah, that's. <laughs> I don't know why you would ask that question. That's a given. Will he I be know, breathing? I just wanted to put a Randy Orton. I had to do that here. <laughs> Dad, RB Day. Dad. Well, is he going to be coming? Yeah, yeah. Dad. Will he be uh, in a coherent state? Yeah, yeah what? He's great. He does interviews all the time. Stuff. Actually. Uh, he was on oh, wrestling. Okay, I mean, okay, funny story. He was on wrestling okay. daily because with our buddy, um, our buddy, um, um, um yeah, I can't think of names right now. It all comes to me. All right, and he was on the show, and he actually we heard him smoking the bomb in the background. Smoking the bomb while doing the interview. I'm like, of course that's what we're doing. Like, this is exactly what RBD would be doing. Like, he's the contributor for High Times Magazine. What do you expect? Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it all. Oh my god, Nick Hoffman. That's what I'm thinking of. Our buddy Nick Hoffman, who was on the show last year. I'm probably hoping to get him back sometime. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, 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 I mean, Rob Van Dam is a performer. Great. Immediate moves. The uh, matches he had with him and Sabu uh, and everything he's done, uh, you know, for the right reasons for WWE. Yeah. And he has he got himself in hot water for oh yeah and you know Vince and him has a back and forth situation he took him back and he got rid of him took him back and and you know I like I like Scott saying you know you know Triple H is telling Vince yeah this is what's good for business because you know you can't blacklist all these wrestlers because you have personal differences with them so 
you know, you got to give the devil his due for what he's done for the the wrestling community, the wrestling world, and and for the organization. And, so and yeah, this, I, this is I an extension. He deserves it. Sorry, I just want to say it's an extension of, of like Triple okay. H reaching out to to um the Warrior and Bruno and, and, Bruno. and Bruno, like people right. that were never going to talk to Vince. Like Triple H has got that in and and can make that right. stuff happen. And for the fans, you know, that's we want to see this stuff. Yeah, very, true. very, very true. The Triple H is kind of like the go-between. He's the guy that puts out the olive branch and says, you know, I'm, I'm sorry we didn't do this sooner, but we're doing it now. True. Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. All right, let's move on to one of the weirder announcements I've ever seen from the Hall of Fame induction. The Great Holly. Oh. I, I was, I would literally, huh? work. I mean, just, let me say something here. I'm late at work. This came out about an hour before the cane announcement. We'll get the cane in a couple minutes. And I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting for some announcement on the bump. I knew the bump was going to announce somebody for the Hall of Fame. You know they're going to. I saw the lineup. I'm like, somebody on this lineup is getting inducted. So I'm on Twitter, refreshing, waiting. I'm not going to watch the bump. I'm not work. I'm not going to watch the bump at work. And I'm refreshing Twitter on my break. And all of a sudden, I see an alert coming in from WWE India <laughs> that the great Khali is going into the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, this can't be real. This can't be real. So I watched the video, and it was legit that Ranjan Singh announced that Greg Kelly was going into the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, huh? I was very confused. And then I'm like, well, if you want to do this right, he is one of the biggest stars in India, period. Like, apparently, he is one of the biggest stars in India. And if you want to, if you're trying yeah. to reach out to the Indian market, you did that superstar spectacle, which I saw to watch, but apparently it's fun. I haven't watched it, but apparently it's really fun. And you did that. And it makes sense to induct him. He's a former world champion. He was better than the giant Gonzalez, so I gotta give him that much. <laughs> and he was entertaining as hell at times. He was extremely entertaining. I mean, he was babyface dancing for no reason whatsoever. That was fun. So I guess this works. I guess, Scott. <laughs> I mean, I, I, from a business standpoint, I get it. And I'm not in India, so I don't know how big of a star he is over there. But you may very well be right. He might, like, from what I was like a massive star, mm -hmm. and that's that's awesome. Can anyone name a good Great Kali match? Can anyone name a really good Great Kali feud? I know I can't. Maybe somebody can. Only thing I can think but of is maybe the Punjabi. Oh, Punjabi prison match. Punjabi prison match, of course. Right. Listen, I, 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 if if he's as big a star in India as as it is apparent that he is, then I guess maybe he should be in the celebrity wing. But as a pro wrestler, I just don't think he's done anything in the ring, even remotely close to anyone else on this list. He's big. Okay, great. Andre was big. Andre did a lot. Big Show was big. Big Show did a lot. Giant Gonzalez was mm -hmm. big. Like, at least he had a WrestleMania match against The Undertaker, you know? I don't think he had a WrestleMania match. I don't remember who it was. I think it was in Kent. Oh, no. Colleen Kane. Colleen Kane, WrestleMania 23. That happened. That happened. Yeah, that riveting all time classic of the great Colleen versus. <laughs> business move, great. Bring in the Indian market, expand your business, honor the guy who's a, clearly a big hometown star. Fine, I get it. I personally, he would not have been on my list. Congratulations to him. Wouldn't have been someone I picked. By the way, I respect him. Apparently, he flew out to America for this. He did fly out. 
That's awesome, man. Listen, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the guy. I'm sure he's lovely. Clearly, he's got a great sense of humor and a great work ethic. I just, if you're going on, you know, quality of matches and and career accolades, I just they're I don't see them. That's all. That any other thoughts? That's, you know, I, I think I can count the number of movies he's been in and true. I think three or four, maybe. That's crazy. I didn't think about that, right? <laughs> but I don't know. It's a weird situation. Uh, weird. Uh, and he's always, if that's the way you want to portray yourself and you get paid for that and you get money for it, good. But in the wrestling world, you know, it's all about gimmicks and characters. And he's a one-dimensional character you couldn't really work with. And then he came up with Rudyard Singh. And then supposedly that he was somewhere else related to Jinder Mahal. Wait a minute. Didn't he marry Jinder Mahal's sister? I think that Wasn't is Wasn't that the whole thing? I think that was the storyline. Yeah. Like why randomly the yeah. last experience Greg Kelly had on television right. was... So, yeah. I mean... I, Actually, I remember this now. The final Jay Kelly appearance on TV was helping Jinder Mahal win the Pajani prison match. <laughs> WWE champion. That's the last appearance. For no reason you know, whatsoever. It was so random. <laughs> I mean, they they tried different things with him to make him marvel. No matter what they did, it didn't really go over. John, and you know, I don't know. It's because of how he couldn't work because he wasn't really agile, or I was it the language barrier or what? I have no idea, but. You know, if you want to put in, this is your probably your feel good moment, and it didn't do it. Agreed. Yeah, I will say though, and I just remembered this. Greg Kelly got eliminated from the from the Royal Rumble by Beth Phoenix. That happened once. That happened once. <laughs> so there you go. Oh yes, the, the, the kiss. The kiss that she caused them to go out of the yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was weird. That was a weird one. Anyway. And then, of course, after this, she wiped her mouth. Let's continue on. Continue on. We're talking about the NWO. Let's talk about Eric Bischoff. Like I said, I was in the building when Eric Bischoff debuted on Raw. And I remember being in the building. And I remember the crowd. Because if, 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 if people would watch this show and it filled them on Peacock in like six months, we finally filled them on Peacock. And <laughs> the show is up. You have to watch this episode. Because it was really interesting to be in the building. Because they have this whole thing, McMahon comes out and says we're having general managers. First time ever, we're gonna have general managers on both shows, one on each show. And then he comes out and he goes and says, "But you're never gonna believe who it is." And we don't hear anything else. And like an hour later, Booker T is in the back doing a promo. And all of a sudden, Eric Bischoff hops into the frame, shakes Booker T's hand, and walks away. No contacts, nothing. No contacts whatsoever. And Booker's like. Tell me, I to see that. And the entire crowd, this is the best part. It wasn't on TV. The crowd started murmuring. Like, what? <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> like, what? And when he came out, the crowd reaction was amazing because it was mixed. What the fuck is he doing here? And mixed. Holy shit, it's Eric Bischoff. Like, <laughs> that's the hardest thing I've ever experienced. Talk so, about burying the hatchet. 
<laughs> exactly. And the hug between Bischoff and McMahon. I have a picture of it somewhere. It was such a crazy moment to watch. And then like, I, I, I didn't come into the business. I wasn't even in the wrestling business until like 2001. So I didn't really know the whole history. So when I learned the history in the future, I'm like, holy shit, I was in the building for an historic moment. I really was in the building for something historic. So, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, me? Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, this is the guy that almost put you out of business. Like, we almost had the McMahon family on the bread line, and uh, it welcomes him back because it's good for business. It's going to put butts in seats, right? I think Eric Bischoff, you know, what I know about his career coming from uh, the, the Turner side of things and and uh, being a broadcaster and, and sort of a backstage uh business guy to working his way into being one of the main creative forces in WCW. Um, like that's some, that's some, some, some pull yourself up by your bootstraps kind of work ethic. Yeah. He was the third string announcer in WCW and within two years running the company. Right. And (laughs) had clearly great ideas and surrounded himself with great people and was the benefit of amazing timing. Like it was a totally a right time, right place situation for all of the stuff that, that happened with him. Um, I don't know that he is the Svengali that that he may appear to be because clearly he also ran that company into the ground before too long. Um, but if nothing else, he's just a great personality on television. Like once he debuted as a heel for the NWO, like, oh, you just love to hate him. You just love to hate him. He's so slappable. <laughs> Great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting it. And know what's funny about this whole him induction is that he announced it a week after he was in AEW. He popped up in AEW for a Jericho segment, and a week later in the WWE Hall of Fame. And what's cool about it is I heard I I, I was in AEW two weeks anymore. It's just too long of a show. I just don't want to hear it anymore. I can only take Conrad's show for so many hours. And apparently, though, he is so excited to get into the Hall of Fame. Like he is so honored to be in the Hall of Fame. Like I am so happy for him to be honored to be in this. Like, it's so cool yeah. to know he's enjoying this moment. So, Dad, I know you go back further. You go back to the AWA. Yes. With Eric Bischoff. So, go Eric ahead. Bischoff, yeah, was in territory area at AWA, working for Vern Gagne's organization. He was marketing and sales in order to basically get AWA a product to different cities outside of the Minnesota Midwest area. Uh, and then you know, kind of bent the ear of Vern Gagne and saying, you know, hey, I think we can do this if we we put our programming like this and, you know, we could like go out to Vegas and, you know, we can do something, uh, you know, like getting the territories together and have this thing called Super Clash and Wrestle Rock. And, you know, it kind of worked and it didn't, but he was mostly known not only for his marketing sales, but also as uh, the behind-the-scenes interviewer on some of the stars for AWA. And then when AWA kind of got bought out, uh, he went around by Crockett Promotions and Turner and pitched some ideas, which they loved, and they just thought everything he came out with was genius. So, you know, Ted said, hey, you know, I'll give you the ball. You run with it, and let's see what you can do. If we can put uh, – Vince out of business, and let's put Vince out of business. 
and you know it's bizarre to say that sentence now looking back yeah and, you know and, and that's the you know that's the way it was in ted Turner's how world. close they got though yeah 83 weeks 83 weeks at number one i mean <laughs> if you look at the, some of the things that he's done in the past where he's taken wwf stars we stars and you know brought them over to his organization and gave them like a second life i mean and prolonged kind of their wrestling career I mean, it, it was great, you know, and and the Monday Night War is fantastic. So, I mean, if you want to give the devil his due for having ingenious ideas, yeah, it's great. But then, of course, the thing with him and Vince Russo. Oh, that's not going there. What's it's that? a whole other story. We're not talking about Vince Russo. We should try not talking about Vince Russo here. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, for, for his genius I guess you gotta give him credit to put him in the Hall of Fame. I do. I have to give him a lot of respect to Bischoff, and the fact that he hitched a long career. It, like I brought up the AWA because I wanted this right. People, he goes back further than WCW. He goes back further. Yeah. He's been doing this for such a long time, and he's still independent. He does what he wants. He just yeah. up places now, and he's well, he do whatever he wants. He like started a company with Hogan, then he was in Impact with Hogan. Like he's he's been all over pro wrestling just trying things and experimenting he's probably had more failures than he has had successes but i think that's that's probably true of any businessman really him and paul Heyman, i think are true they always admit that you fail more than you succeed but the other thing is i guess you reached out to vince and vince was going to bring him into the is that you want to springboard his son into the wrestling business and this is the way to do it and i guess his son didn't really kind of fit the mold they were looking for. And yeah, Gareth so. If people remember Impact, if you remember TNA, Gareth Bischoff wrestled in TNA. That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> well, didn't, didn't they give Gareth his own, like, team? I remember he was in sort a of team as part of Hogan's Immortal faction. If I remember that right? If I remember the history right? I watched way too much TNA in 2000. I always say, I watched TNA in some of the worst bullshit, but when AJ Styles left TNA is when I stopped watching it. <laughs> I stopped watching it because AJ Styles left. So, Understandable. He, like, he is one of my heroes of all time. So when AJ Styles left TNA, I did no reason to watch it anymore. <laughs> I did the same thing with Shawn Michaels. Every time Shawn Michaels quit wrestling, I stopped watching. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's move on. We have, a, we have a nice cool. I like to say this is really cool. Respect. We talked about the Divas era of wrestling with the Bellas. What's your wind back to the women's wrestling in the early in the early 2000s and late in 2000s? Molly Holly going yeah. into the Hall of Fame. This is a really cool thing. And people are like, wow, Molly Holly, Mighty Molly. Yes, she was Mighty Molly with the hurricane. But also, she was a respected, made a, pretty much almost like made a bit women's wrestler. In WWE for a good two years, and I actually got to see him. I, I got to see a match with her against Victoria. I got to see. I got to see a match. I got to see a couple matches with her. I, got, I think it was her versus Jazz. I got to see in person one time. Like Molly Holly was a really fantastic wrestler, and I'm really happy for her to get this honor. Like it's a really cool thing that they're recognizing more than just Trish and Lita from that era. Like it's a really cool thing to do here. Yeah, yeah. I think with Molly Holly, um, she kind of stuck to her guns pretty well as far as the character that she wanted to be. And she knew if something made her uncomfortable that she wasn't going to do it. And that's the way they looked at it. And she came off pretty well. I mean, the trio of her and the hurricane and Rosie, 
Yes. Yep. Hero in training. Superhero in training. One yes. of the best favorite guys. Yes. How they got away with that yeah. for a year, I will never know. How they got away with that. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, it, it worked and people tuned in and it was I fabulous. I love the know, And, and so here's much. the other thing, too, with, with Molly Holly is um, when Beth Phoenix was coming up and there was somebody that Beth knew and she said, yeah, Molly Holly is going to be doing an autograph session and, you know, give her uh, the your tape of you doing your promo and then she'll pass it on. Mm-hmm. And true story is that something happened where the rock came and everyone went over to the rock side and she was able to go to give this tape to Molly Holly. And That's cool. the true story is Molly and someone else took a look at her tape before access, I guess, let out. And they were really, really, you know, looking at her or working on we need to get this person into our developmental territory now that's a cool story i know that's 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 cool so and beth even credits molly holly for paving the way for her to get to wwe so she's done some great things in the past and the other thing is when beth phoenix was going into wrestling school molly holly paid for her tuition wow i did not know that either scott go ahead Beth Phoenix uh, went to high school with a guy that I played in a band with. Oh, wow. Very cool. In Elmira, New York. Yeah. Listen, Molly Holly absolutely deserves this. She's like, I think she's like, she's kind of like the, the, the mother of hardcore wrestling, right? Like she is sort of the first woman in WWE to like really be violently aggressive when she was with the, the Holly cousins faction there. Right. Um, and I will always remember her as like the super energetic, short-haired Spitfire. Um, I didn't really catch a lot of the the stuff with the Hurricane and Rosie, but like wow, I just think based out. on based on the the start of her career in WWE and and how um, tough she was, like that's that's enough to get you in the Hall of Fame in my book. Yeah, the, the, had, hurricane, uh, the Hurricane Rosie and Molly stuff was some of the best like entertaining even. It was all entertaining. Like, it was so much fun to watch. And the best part was it started naturally and just grew and grew and grew and grew. And grew. <laughs> it was such a cool thing to watch. She was, she was trained by Dean Malenko, too. Ah, there you go. Like, and remember, yes. remember at a rare, one of the rare things they've ever done on WrestleMania, Molly Holly got her head shaved. Yeah. In Victoria. And that's yeah. something that doesn't happen for women, period, to do that at a WrestleMania at the Garden. Yeah. crazy. So there you go. That's another thing that she did. So, and then she, cool. after that, she kept the short hair look. And she, it looks yeah. great. It looks great on her. Like, it looks great on her to this day. You know? So um, I will say the only other woman in this era I hope eventually is Dr. Injectory. Because she's like yeah. part of that group with Trish and Lita and Molly and now Victoria. Yeah. I hope she gets in next. I really do. She deserves it. She just yeah. retired officially. And maybe throw Jazz in there, too. Because she's another person in that era that deserves a chance. Yeah. She's the biggest yeah. WWE history. So... Throw that in there, and maybe hopefully in the future. That that was the vision where they weren't just ballets and therefore eye candy. It was they a women's division. Got in and mixed it up. What was cool about it? I mean, Mandy had not watched them. Um, the couple of WrestleMania she missed, and I was watching old WrestleMania. And we were watching WrestleMania 18, and that was Hawk Hogan. It was Rock. It was Rock and Hogan. And after Rock Hogan is Lita, Trish, and Jazz. That's the next match. And the crowd is dead, but <laughs> those three women got pops when they came out. And then the crowd was dead. But they, but Lita was the top, 
and then it came through Lita, and then Jazz, and then Trish, all through that massive pop, and then the crowd died. <laughs> the crowd died after that, but still, like that era was great. I, I'd just like to correct you. It was not WrestleMania 18. It was WrestleMania X8. X8. So. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, what's funny is I say you, you – I, I would make fun of you, but we, ever since they dropped the numbers, they've been making fun of their um, logo, their WrestleMania, ever since 30, ever since WrestleMania play button. We've been making fun of the numbers. So. <laughs> yeah. um, give me my Roman numerals back. I, I like missed, my Roman I numerals. Them. I really miss those. All right. Um, let's move on our, our big one here. This is a huge one. Kane. Is going into the Hall of Fame. What can we say? Like, this, this is a big deal. Like, this is a very big deal. And Taker got to be the one to announce it, which is even cooler on the bump. He got to be the one to announce it. And Kane is going to the Hall of Fame. He's currently he's still the mayor of Knox County, which is crazy to me to this day. Um, multi-time world champion, multi-time everything. He has done it all. And I, I I'm going to bring up a match that nobody remembers. I'm going to remember this. I remember this. Um, at WrestleMania 21, there was a tag match. It was Big Show and Kane versus Carlito and Chris Masters. By the next pay-per-view, both teams had broken up. By the next pay-per-view. <laughs> and the Spirit Squad were tag team champions by the next pay-per-view. But Big Show and Kane had a feud. But they broke up. Their pay-per-view match was terrible. But then they had a match on Raw. Which, people got to go find this match. They had a chain wrestling match on Raw. Kane and I Big remember Show. that match. That was, was an awesome match. Incredible. That was where awesome. was that match? Was that? Do you know where that? What city they were in for I that? Remember. I remember. I remember the match happening. I remember being on Raw, and it was it was forgotten. People forget that match happened, but it was one of the best wrestling matches I've ever seen by two big men. Like it was incredible. It was an incredible match. I have vivid memories of that match, and just remember thinking like that is that to me. You just shut everybody up. You just had a cl- like an instant classic, and probably most people didn't even recognize it. Yeah, exactly. I remember that from this day. It was incredible. So, Dad, Kane, go. I remember. I don't know if you guys remember this or not, but he was presented by Jerry the King Lawler, and brought him in as. What was it? Isaac Yankum DDS. Yes. <laughs> the kiss the my foot match. And it was his. It was <laughs> it was his personal dentist, and basically his personal dentist became his bodyguard, and that's how he got in. And then, of course, after that was over, then you know he had the other Undertaker. Oh wait, wait, wait! wait. Thing he was where... Big Diesel. He was Big Diesel. Before oh, yeah, for came. a while. That's right. That's right. And then all of a sudden, the character for Undertaker had to kind of have a culmination with the storyline and boof up Pops Kane. And it was brilliant. And he's gone with it. And he's done everything that WWE asked of him and even more. And I, I think uh, he became more likable towards his career. And, you know, him being his mayor, you know, he's proud to do it. And uh, when uh, Undertaker called him and, and told him that he was in the Hall of Fame, God, you saw Glenn Jacobs have this smile from ear to ear, and it was something that I think brought almost a tear to his eye because then he got recognized for all the hard work he's done for the wrestling business. And, and I think he deserves this 110%. I saw that match. And it was May 6th on 2006 on Raw. I'm going to look up the city right now, but I found the match. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm, just, I'm looking it up. 
But anyway, you're um, right. Yeah. So Good. listen, I first off, I love the Isaac Yankum stuff. The whole Jerry Lawler Bret Hart kiss my foot match, which was what started that whole thing, where Jerry Lawler had to end up kissing his own foot, I believe, then had to go to the dentist, and the dentist is Isaac Yankum, and that. Br- Kane's introduction, the tease, Paul Bear's tease of Kane, like the Undertaker had been around forever at this point already. And the fact that you could add a new facet to this character that was that uh, exciting and interesting is a, a huge achievement in and of itself. The fact that it delivered as well as it did, him coming up through the ring, I think it was in a Shawn Michaels match. I believe it was Hell in a Cell. I think it was the first Hell in a Cell. Um, is just mind-blowing. The fact that he continued to have these reinventions over his career is just unheard of. They unmask him? What? I remember and that. He I has, remember Ron was amazing. They match. unmask him, and his, he gets even bigger. His career grows. Like, And then he puts the mask back on, and it gets even bigger again. There's like, no reason, every time There's no reason for that, too. Kane no is just about to be counted out. He's back in, and he has a huge run. His run with X-Pac, like, I wish, I wish that he had a stronger main event singles career. Like, I, I he he deserves to be on equal footing with some of the greats, and he's just, he's not quite there, but he has had one of the most interesting and um, uh, comeback filled like valuable careers in the industry and he absolutely deserves to be in the hall of fame um so two quick things first of all kane and taker their last year not the first one they're not the, first one, the, the last one they had when kane won the money in the bank match beat Rey Mysterio for the title turned heel and then had this crazy feud where he put like taker in a vegetative state and then cut these amazing promos for like two months, it was an amazing feud they had. That was an optic feud with Kane and Taker the second time around. But I just found the match, officially found it. It was on the May 6th, 2006 Raw in the Arrowhead Pod in Anaheim, yeah. California. It was the co-main event. And the main event of the show, this is so bizarre, it was a handicap match between the Spirit Squad and John Cena and Shawn Michaels. <laughs> See, okay, that makes sense because this is why I remember it so well because that Shawn Michaels John Cena tag team run is burned in my memory. Yeah, I actually the reason I asked the city is because I thought I might have been at that one because I oh, remember yeah, I that thought. Kane and Big Show match so well. Yeah, so it wasn't know, there. Up, but... so Thank you. The other motion, find the other motion if you don't have it on the network. That's why I was able to find it. I was able to just look through it. I found an old Raw report at one of the old wrestling websites. They have it. Thank there you, you for having Raw reports to go back to 2006. Right. <laughs> here's the other here's the other thing team hell no you didn't think it would work but it the chemistry for him and daniel bryan just worked so well that and then when they had the problems to go to dr shelby for counseling was even better and the fact that he's so open to stuff like that like he, you get Kane to do some really bizarre stuff in WWE. Like the, he's never, he's let's. I'll put it this way: they could hand him shit, and he turns it into gold bricks every time. He's done it. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's. I don't think he's ever said no to any of the requests that they told him. Okay, we want you to do this. I don't think he's ever said no to anything. So, and like, and here's here's. I'm gonna sort of bring this around to to today a little bit. 
Over. So John Moxley will go on Jericho's podcast and he'll dump on WWE Creative. CM Punk will dump on WWE Creative. But like, then you have guys like Kane who are handed those same crappy tickets and they make gold out of them. So at some point, like, okay, I respect Moxley, I respect CM Punk, but like at some point, like, you can turn this stuff into great material if you commit to it. And, and Kane is a great example of someone who's maybe handed some weird, not potentially great ideas and just goes, all right, I'm going to make the best of this. And he does. And it makes it work every single solitary yep. time. Yeah. Like, remember, at one point, he faced a fake Kane. <laughs> the fake Kane that ended up being a fascist, I think. Like, some of that. It was a little bizarre. It was a weird yes. story. Like, I remember yes. that. So, uh, I remember he made yes. May 19th into a name, a, num- a date everyone remembers because he was scared of the date, ended up being the dated movie came out. Right. The See No <laughs> Evil movie? Right. And to this day, May 19th, yeah. I would never forget it. I'll never forget May 19th to this day. <laughs> so, all right. That is the Hall of Fame. What that? What a lineup! I'm looking forward to watching this. So we're going to um, hit the music, and we will wrap up the show. Zad, why don't you start us off here and kick South Spot? Go. Hey, for more information on our show, including where you can hear our show, go to theblakeandstyleshow.com, our Facebook page, Twitter account, Instagram pages, and comment or leave a rating or read them on the show. Yes, um, and if you're following Instagram page, you'll see photos from this show and clips from this episode. I always put up something before the episode goes up, so look for that. For every single oh. We are part of the Wisconsin Podcast Association and the National Podcast Association. For more information, go to wisconsinpodcast.com or follow both on Instagram. That's their thing. Hey, as always, it's been your pleasure, and if you have a local independent wrestling organization where you live, Please patronize these people. These are young men and women that are coming up in the world of sports entertainment, professional wrestling, and they want to show you what they can do, and they want to basically make you guys happy by their gimmick and what they're able to show you. So please, if you have one, patronize them. But patronize them. Please do it safely. You know, keep your mask on and six feet apart. I I know everything is kind of getting better, but we don't want to rush the things, and I'd rather see safety for the fans and for the wrestlers and in time everything will get back to normal so please you know if you do this do it safely and if you're going please don't take pictures and put them up on on that i'm still fit scott no uh i i can be found at uh, a lot of places you can catch my music stuff at scotttofty.com uh podcasting i am a part of the dueling genre podcast network duelinggenre.com i'm always encouraging people to go there check out all the different shows we have a lot of entertainment based shows become a patreon you get even more duelinggenre.com and you can hear me on teenage mutant ninja turtles minute season three coming soon where we are discussing the third movie in the ninja turtles live action franchise three minutes at a time three times per week tmntminute.com and I, I hope I'm on that season because I want to talk so as I said you can find me over at Defy the Mighty Ducks oh listen to the show I'm excited for the third season and the Jam Pack season um, this Friday we'll be back with Mandy and Sal to talk Wrestlemania in Tampa Bay Finally, it took us two years to get here. We're finally talking about WrestleMania and in Tampa. Finally going to happen. 
is know, Kevin Owens going to jump off the pirate ship? Well, notice, notice. I'm going to notice right now. Notice they put Shane and Braun in a steel cage so that Shane can't climb on, come off something. But I think KO will be jumping off that pirate ship against Sami Zayn. I think that will happen. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'm not taking that bet. I believe you. Um, that all being said, thank you, Scott, for coming on. We're going to get you on in the future. This is great. My thank pleasure. you, Scott. Yay. My pleasure. Happy to come on. It was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah. Everybody. Yay. So, um, so I'll be back on Friday. Um, that was Scott here. Um, he said, I'm, hey. I'm Mark. He's Scott. And hey. you've, you've been listening to the Blake and Sal Show. Have a good day, everybody. Be safe. Play safe. We love you guys. Thank you so very much. Goodbye. The song ended. I wasn't prepared for that. You can tell my setup isn't right. The song ended. Well, that was the full power. Sorry about that. Anyway. Thank you so very much. Goodbye. And good night.